Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. We have a full show in store for you as we do our final episode before kickoff at Auburn. Penn State faces the Tigers 3.30 p.m. Our time, 2.30 p.m. local time there on Saturday. Showcase matchup, Auburn 2-0, Penn State 2-0. As we discussed earlier in the week, different paths to get to 2-0 this season. Uh, you will hear from my colleagues Daniel Gallen, Mark Brennan here a little bit later in the episode. We're going to do our preview and predictions for Penn State. We have some freshman notes. We have some commentary on possible player availability and just kind of sorting through some questions uh, as we work our way toward this matchup, players to watch, etc. But first, Nathan King, who does a great job covering Auburn for our 24-7 sports site, Auburn Undercover. He joined us last September to give us a look ahead at the Tigers before they came up to Beaver Stadium. This time around, we do that once more before Penn State hits the road and heads south. We'll talk a lot about Penn State on the other side of this interview and give you our final predictions. But first, here's Nathan King and a lot about the Tigers. For the second consecutive year, we get to reach down south and to our Auburn undercover reporter, Nathan King, who does a fantastic job on that Auburn beat, breaking down the Tigers. He'll do it for us now. He did it for us last September ahead of that matchup. And Nathan, first and foremost, uh, you reached out early in the week, talked about bringing these communities together on our message board. So appreciate you doing that. There's been a joint thread going on uh, between our sites, Lions 24-7, on Auburn Undercover. Hopefully it was helpful for Auburn folks heading north last September. Hopefully it's helpful for our fans heading down south. But thanks for doing that. And there's been a lot of uh, working together this week. So look forward to continuing that. I know you're getting Daniel on your podcast a little bit later this afternoon. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, you know, it's, I'm glad that we're finally it, for Penn State, it's a little different. You know, they had Purdue in that first game. Um, Auburn's had back to back non power five opponents. So um, the buzz is a little different. I know football season started a couple weeks ago, but this, this really feels like the start of football season for Auburn because it's their first really, you know, big game of the season. You know, something I covered in a piece I wrote Wednesday was, you know, not all two and O's are created equal. The paths that these programs have taken to get to this matchup certainly different in terms of what they were tested. Five losses to finish last season, but a 2-0 and start. Has the, have those vibes truly been shaken off, or is there more of a cloud hanging in the air and saying, now prove it against Penn State? Yeah, no, it's still show me. Uh, these first two games have not done much of anything. Um, you can chalk that up to the four total interceptions from the quarterbacks, or you can chalk it up to beating San Jose State by one score. You can you can uh, pick your poison there. So, no, I mean, they, they in terms of the bad vibes from last season, I mean, um, people are, you know, looking at this with a glass half full. And I think a lot of people understand that um, regardless of what Harson did last year, regardless of what he did to start off this season, he was going to be in a bad spot regardless because of what they tried to do to him um, in February. I don't know about if any coach would be able to recover from that in a in a positive way, um, particularly in recruiting. That's the number one thing we we talk about when we, when we talk to people about recruiting is, yeah, you know, we're doing fine. It's just we're being negatively recruited. Everybody's just telling our recruits. Yeah, you know, well, why would you even go play there if your coach isn't going to be there um, next season? And so, um, you know, it's sort of the chicken and the egg argument. Like, you know, that he has to win games in order to start buying the goodwill of the fan base back and buying back recruiting success. But then you 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 have to have both those things pulling in the right direction as well in order for you to have a successful program. So, um, this this game is absolutely massive for them, not only to get some momentum for the season, but they've got to find if he's going to stick around, seven wins maybe, certainly eight wins. I think would would keep them around um, and it, they're hard to find on this schedule. And so you, you bring in a team like Penn state from out of conference um, in your building and obviously sort of a revenge spot from last year. This is one they absolutely need to get this season um, in order to give themselves sort of a good baseline here at the beginning of the year to, to chalk up those wins. Boy, when it comes to Brian Harson, it escalated quickly. I mean, when they came to town last year, they were two and zero. There were some good momentum. I think it's certainly fair to uh, to say. Then, they, even with the loss, they were still ranked inside the top twenty-five. It was kind of viewed as a relatively favorable loss coming out of Penn State. Lo and behold, get the four and one, play Georgia, get smacked down, and from there on, it's a spiral for them. They finish six and seven. Can you talk us through this offseason a little bit? Because I know a lot of Penn State fans on the peripheral kind of sort of know what the Tigers dealt with. But can you set the stage for just why there is such a momentous opportunity for Auburn? Or if they lose this one and they lose it poorly, why it could get really ugly in a hurry? Yeah, I mean, I think it's funny. You look at last season um, and, and even some of the Auburn players talked this week about 
you know, maybe if we had gotten that game, you know, it would have given us you know, the, the tight end in particular. John Samuel Schenker was was really kind of harping on that. But it's interesting that he said that because I, I understand Auburn had a, had a bad end to the season. They absolutely did five straight losses. But after this game, um, I mean, they, they started six and two on the year and were, were number 14 in the college football playoff rankings, um, whereas Penn State, you know, and ended up both teams. Neither team necessarily had the season um, that they wanted to. And so. Again, I think for me, it goes back to I don't know if this game necessarily is is one that's going to propel you forward to a successful season either way, maybe a little bit more for Penn State, um, you know, getting getting some good footing under them. But for Auburn, it's just they have so many other opportunities down the line um, and so many other difficult matchups in in terms of the offseason. I mean, it was it was shocking to all of us what happened um, back in February. It was it was certainly unlike anything I'd ever seen. Um, you know, a lot of people were a lot older than me on the beat as well. Um, despite how crazy Auburn is uh, on a consistent basis, um, trying to get a guy fired well, and he's phoning in to ESPN, taking shots back at the at the uh, at the higher ups while he's in Mexico. Uh, it's you know just not necessarily a literal Mexican standoff is not something uh, we we see very often. And so um, you know it, it, the glass half full way to look at it once he was retained was you know, this entire team is rallying behind him. Everyone who stayed, stayed for a reason. Um, and and I, I truly did get that feeling. And I, and you still get that feeling in the building um, right now because there were a lot of transfers. There was a lot of turnover, even on this coaching staff. On the other side, it's all of the uh, all of the setbacks that we talked about there at the beginning. Um, and he understands that. I mean, he's addressed that pretty transparently since that portion of the offseason, saying, you know, talking about the negative recruiting, talking about, look, we got to get everybody in this organization pulling in the right way. Then you flash forward to last month where the athletic director, Alan Green, um, steps away from his post, which was not a a surprising move at all, because ever since the new president came in, there was not really talks about um, re-upping his contract, which was going to expire in January. So now you got a situation where Harson basically has to win seven or eight games. It's got to be either, in my opinion, this is obviously not set in stone, um, but it's either got to be a good seven, good, good wins, good finish, good recruiting or eight wins in order to in order to stick around and his president that hired him and the ad that hired him are no longer here so um it's about as rocky as they come and if you know if we're circling back to this game in particular every game like this is massive for auburn um you know you you want to see brian harson if you're if you're the team right now you want to see him having success and having an opportunity to continue to be the coach and um you know there are some people maybe within within the program with not within the program but within university who um, you know, want to make a change at the end of the season, regardless. And so maybe they you know, would rather see Auburn lose this game. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's definitely a really uh, sticky situation. But um, there's really no way to downplay how important it is now that Auburn gets, gets to their actual Power Five portion of their schedule and gets an opportunity um, to play a big game like this because they need a good game. Because the, the last game they played against San Jose State, um, it was a typical, typical Auburn. You know, against a non-Power Five team trying to, they've done it year over year they did against georgia state um last season sort of playing down to their competition maybe looking ahead to this week's game against penn state um and so like we talked about at the beginning they've still got a lot to prove they've, they've got a lot to prove on the field um you know i think if you're looking at these teams objectively i think penn state has has proven a little bit more at least maybe with this season and if you go back you know to last year you know, the kind of coach that james franklin is just kind of over time, I think they may be coming here with a little bit more complete of a team, but then Auburn's got that home crowd advantage. So in my opinion, that makes for what should be an awesome game on Saturday. Only 15 games into his career at Auburn, but a lot of noise, uh, eight and seven yeah. over that span. And it was such a turbulent offseason that you probably couldn't have asked for more of a soft landing than getting Mercer and San Jose State back to back before Penn State comes to town. And oh, by the way, the first five games of this regular season schedule for the Tigers are on home turf, which is nice for you and your travel itinerary. But Nathan, when we look at this matchup and we uh, before we look at this matchup, I should say, you already spotlighted last week and, and it being kind of a disheartening, disappointing performance. What was the most disappointing aspect of Penn, uh, of Auburn versus San Jose State, a game they trailed at halftime and a game they won by eight as a 24 point favorite? Yeah, it's funny. Like, yeah, you said 24 point favorite. They only scored 24 points um, in the game. And it's funny. They had such a nice offensive turnaround um, in the second half. Granted, 17 points in the second half against a Mountain West team is, is nothing to you know, throw a bunch of balloons over. But um, the first quarter was the biggest surprise. I mean, um, across Auburn's first four drives, they technically netted 31 yards of offense. But 
if you look at penalty yardage, so if you actually look at you know how they progressed on the field and how they moved back, um, zero yards across their first four drives, um, and then two turnovers, uh, three excuse me, four penalties in the first quarter, three on the first drive, um, and only one first down in the first quarter. And uh, those two those two turnovers, I mean, you had obviously T.J. Finley. You don't want your starting quarterback to have three interceptions through his first two games, let alone against Mercer's defense and San Jose State's defense. Um, and then Robbie Ashford, who I'm, you know, we'll talk about the quarterback situation later, but you know, they kind of run a two QB system. He's he's more your change of pace guy, and they wanted to see him open up his arm a little bit more in this game. That was from what I was told. You know, he threw threw only seven passes in the opener, and so the plan was maybe to get him closer to double digits there in the second game. That plan was completely shot when he you know threw a guy you know seven yards to the right. It was one of the most egregious interceptions. And Brian Harson agreed. He was like, yeah, that was just that was just the wrong play. It was. Uh, it was not a good throw. One of the most egregious interceptions I've ever seen by an SEC um, quarterback. So similar to the first game, and that's 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 another one of my concerns. I think for for the Penn State matchup is similar to the first game when they had a lightning delay, um, nearly an hour and forty minutes, and then you know when you come back out from that, things just aren't the same. The field's different. You you're in a different phase of the game. The game plan is different. Similar to that game, because of their first quarter offensive struggles against San Jose State. Their game plan was different in game two as well. So I'm not sure they've been able to go out and execute exactly what they wanted to um, in these first few games. They've 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 had some defensive struggles relatively. I'm I'm not as concerned about that as other people are. Obviously, when you look at the success of short passing game against them these first couple weeks, um, sort of the flashbacks of Sean Clifford start coming up for Auburn fans when he went 28 of 32 last season. And so it's it's not a good time for that problem to be um, poking itself back up. But I I I think, you know, if you spend too much time talking about the defense, you're probably not doing enough justice to what has been a, a shaky passing game so far because Auburn's got a lot of dudes on defense, and I think uh, I think they'll be able to figure it out, and I think they'll be up to play in this game. Bo Nix was the quarterback here at Happy Valley last September. He's moved on to Oregon, where, of course, he was naturally introduced to Georgia once more uh, in his first game there. Um, it's been a transfer portal approach for Auburn at the quarterback position. They got a mix of guys who started their college careers elsewhere. TJ Finley threw 27 passes on Saturday. You mentioned Ashford, them wanting to get him more involved. Well, he finished one of three with one pick and one yard. Um, where is that quarterback spot through eight quarters of this season? What's the trust, in your opinion, between the coaching staff and the QB? And how do they take the next step if there is one to be made? Yeah, it's absolutely TJ Finley um, at this moment. You know, we thought after that first game, which goes to show you never really take much, you know, weight into one individual game, especially a game against an FCS opponent. Um, but boy, did Robbie Ashford look nice in that game. Um, you know, over 100 yards, or excuse me, not 100 yards, I think he had like 80 or 90 yards rushing, a couple long runs. Um, he went four of seven passing, had a couple uh, deep shots that looked really good. Um, and overall, I mean, Finley had two picks in that game, and the passing attack just really wasn't very explosive. And then you had a guy like Ashford come in and really just open things up. The yards per play comparison versus when one guy was taking a snap, even if he wasn't throwing the ball, even if he didn't end up with the ball in his hands, um, it was pretty stark, the difference between the two of them. And then the rubber hits the road in the next game and and, and things kind of get a little dicey and you see what happens. It's completely TJ Finley's show um, on offense. Like I mentioned, after that interception, so he started against San Jose State. Finley started one for five with an interception early in that game. Um, he closed out 12 of 15 with 10 and a half yards per attempt on those uh, on those final 15 throws of the game. And he had a rushing touchdown and he had two fourth down conversions um, with his arm, both of which were on broken plays where he kind of just had to scramble out, and make it happen. He did so on both plays. So that's where I kind of and I, I talked about it this week and some people on our board didn't necessarily want to hear it because uh, because he's not been overly impressive at this point. But, um, you know, that sort of that sort of exemplified his growth from last season, you know, even. He talked about when he won the start, starting quarterback job um, that he wasn't prepared to take over for Bo Nix last year, mentally, physically. Um, you know, he's he straight up said, you know, you're supposed to prepare as a starter, and I wasn't necessarily doing that. Um, to now a situation where even at you know he's had these interceptions early in the season, um, and after that mistake against San Jose State, he came back strong. Um, you know, he's pretty calm and, and composed in in difficult situations. Kind of later in that game, all of that is to say, considering. We've been talking about struggles against an FCS team and, and and San Jose State through these first couple games. There's not a lot of confidence in that passing game right now. They absolutely have to set up the running game with with Tank Bixby and Jarquez Hunter, who are, are two fantastic running backs, one of the better duos um, in the SEC. In order for them to take the next step, um, more explosiveness and, and really just more production overall um, at receiver, they've got Javarius Johnson, 
Um, he is also a guy you're going to see maybe a little bit on punt returns. Um, he's one of the more explosive receivers in the SEC. Actually leads the SEC in yards per catch. Um, right now, though, he's only been targeted eight times the first couple games. And then a fifth-year senior named Shedrick Jackson. I remember he made a couple plays um, in State College last year. Really not an explosive guy, but uh, between the tackles, between the hashes, he'll, he'll pick you up some consistent first downs, a good route runner, a good blocker. Um, other than that, who knows? I mean, they, they, they have a rotation. Um, Tavares Dawson is a guy, Malcolm Johnson Jr. Um, you'll see a little bit of Landon King, who's a converted tight end. But in terms of production, in terms of what they've shown on the field, it's it's been little to nothing except for those top two guys. And so you have to give Finley a better opportunity to feel confident pushing the ball to different receivers. Um, and then the explosiveness. I mean, that's something Auburn has been lacking in the passing game for the past three or four years. Um, you know, save for a guy like Anthony Schwartz a couple years ago. Um, and then this year, you know, save for Javarius Johnson. You can't just have that one guy who you're going to be pushing the ball to downfield um, every single play. The offensive line has done a pretty good job these first couple games. But then, again, like we've talked about, this is such a litmus test because – PJ Mustafer and that, I mean, that Penn State defensive line is is completely different than what you've seen um, in these first couple games against uh, against Mercer and San Jose State. So um, we'll learn a lot about this Auburn team, I think, this weekend, particularly like you were talking about, particularly in that passing game, because that is probably their biggest concern at the moment. Auburn's best uh, approach last time these two teams met was handing the ball off to Tank Bigsby. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they did a nice job in that regard. Uh, it took quite a number of carries for him to get to 100 yards. I think he was around 23, 24 in that game, a couple touchdowns. Uh, Hunter was the guy, I think, that, that popped up over the course of that matchup and had Penn State fans a little worried. Uh, those two guys are back. I think there's been a lot of talk this week here from Penn State's perspective that this defense is going to face its first legitimate legitimate ground game threat and, and kind of that battering ram nature, and we want to see how they respond. You said it's a litmus test. I'm going to ask you ahead of that test. What's your gut tell you about the ability for Penn State's off, or Auburn's offensive front and Auburn's ground game to really set a foundation against the Nittany Lions? I think they can do so. Um, just looking at what Penn State, you know, the, through these first couple games, they are strong um, in terms of the defensive front. Like I said about talent level, um, it's it's a group that Auburn hasn't seen anybody like it since last season. I and mean, Penn State, talking to Auburn players this week, it's funny they 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 said on film it's like they're an SEC play already. Talking about not only the kind of talent as Penn State has, um, but really the way they they play. Um, you know, the, their defensive formations in terms of the front seven, the way they play man to man on the outside, and then on the flip side going over to the offense. Talking about um, a guy like Sean Clifford, you know, how, how big and strong their offensive line is. Um, and so some of the veteran guys are like, look, it's we're used to this. We're, we're it's like we're in conference play um, already in terms of a confidence level. i would be pretty high for me just because you look at these kinds of games in the past for Auburn at home. Um, rarely do they struggle to, to set up the ground game uh, unless they're playing someone like Georgia, where, of course, they're going to average, you know, one point three yards per carry. Um, the question has been, and like you mentioned, Bo Nix has been the quarterback. The question has been, how much can you complement it with a passing game? Again, I and, I and I hate to go back to that on a question about the running game, but um, Tank Bixby is a proven commodity. When when Jarquez Hunter does his thing, like like Penn State fans saw last year, they saw him in one of his better games this season. He had that big hurdle um, on the last drive as Auburn was going down, trying to trying to tie the game. He had a little bit of a knee procedure, minor minor knee procedure in the offseason, but he looks good as ever. Um, he had four touchdowns on his first 11 carries of the season. Um, again, it was against you know minor opponents, but uh, it's still a pretty good clip for him. Um, that's a really good-looking one-two punch. Their run blocking has been very efficient in these first couple games. So all that leads me to say you know, Tank Bigsby does good sometimes, even against a loaded box. Sometimes there's just not much you can do against him, but uh, they've got to turn that into play-action opportunities. They've got to turn that into TJ Finley becoming more comfortable pushing the ball downfield because um, he's been not in the way that Bo Nix used to just scramble out and, and, and escape pressure. That's not the type of quarterback that he's been, but he has maybe gone through too many reads and they haven't really faced a great pass rush yet. And there's been one guy draped over him, but it's a, it's a five eleven linebacker on the FCS level. He can, he's sit Finley six foot seven. He can kind of just brush the guy off. Um, not going to be the same way against Penn state. He's going to have to go to, you know, first, second, third read and get the ball out or or escape the pocket. Um, and the running game absolutely has to give him an opportunity. So I think the long-winded way of saying that is I think I think they will have the opportunity to do that. I think the running game will set that up. I, I have a hard time believing Penn State is just going to completely bottle up these these two running backs. They, they look like they can be pretty successful in this game. But the question to me is whether they can execute on it, whether they can you know make good on that uh, on that sort of baseline for their offense. And 
in terms of the confidence level for that, that that on the other hand is uh, is not very high for me at the moment. Last time we saw Sean Clifford go against this Auburn defense, he had the most efficient passing performance of his college career. I think he completed nearly 90% of those passes. Uh, it was a strong evening for him in the whiteout crowd. Now he's going on the road. He's a guy who's played 35 college uh, game, college starts to this point. I don't think a lot of people are worried about him being shaky in any kind of road environment. But the question for Auburn has to be, how do you get him off of that rhythm? And, and Sean Clifford's been a guy in his career who's been a bit streaky. When it goes bad, it can stay bad for a few possessions. When you talk to, to those Auburn defenders and the coaching staff, what is their biggest priority against a six-year senior quarterback this week? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the praise um, through the roof, and I think that's something that um, shows the the impasse between uh, between fans and and players and coaches. Um, and, and and we talked about it last year um, on this on this show, but uh, sort of the the parallels between a guy like Sean Clifford and a guy like Bo Nix, um, someone who is you know capable of giving you so much in the passing game, and and then we we didn't even know, but we saw it on Saturday, one of those games where he just flashed and um, was a fantastic player, and absolutely the reason that offense was was humming along in that game. Um, and then you have some head scratchers and I, um, you know, the, the Purdue game, I thought, you know, that was such an entertaining way to open the season watching that game. And um, man, quintessential Sean Clifford. It was so good. I mean, you, yeah. you have the big mistake in the fourth quarter and then you yourself make up for it and, and lead the, lead the long touchdown drive. Um, you know, he's such a polarizing quarterback. Uh, he, and the fact that he's a six year senior, he, he's just, he's such an awesome college quarterback to follow. Um, he, he just gives you so much entertainment one way or another but yeah they absolutely cannot let him do that short passing game again and uh you know i know they don't have a guy like a Jahan dotson again but i know mitchell tinsley's look pretty nice i know they've got you know parker washington they've got a, you know some other good receivers there um they just cannot allow him to be so efficient throwing the ball and they've got to get him into third down in long situations i think that's the biggest key because you know talking to some people on that joint thread that you that you mentioned um some some auburn folks talking about the, the strength of auburn's defensive front and some Penn State fans are asking, well, you know, didn't they have trouble getting after it with just four last season? Um, and the answer to that is yes, is number one. Number two, they improved over the course of last season. That pass rush did. And number three, they returned pretty much everybody in that pass rush. And they've got two of the better uh, pass rushers in the SEC right now. And Derek Hall and Eku Leota. So you, you have to give those guys an opportunity um, to make life hard on Sean Clifford. I think if they can force him into a turnover or two, um, that's going to be massive for this game. Because like you mentioned, um, it's, you know, he's, he's been a little shaky in the past when things don't go his way. Um, at the same time, I am interested to see, you know, if he's, if he's not up to snuff or gets some sort of injury. Um, I know the backup isn't too shabby either. And some Penn state fans really want to see him, um, in this game and just over the, over, over the course of the season down the stretch. But, um, yeah, the biggest thing for Clifford is he, if you're this Auburn defense, you've already had trouble defending short passes, defending the slants. Owen Papo, the linebacker who actually got hurt in this game last season said that is the number one thing they're focusing on this week um, is stopping those short passes because they changed defensive coordinators, but man, it, it, it looks like the same issues in terms of that quick passing game from both Mercer and San Jose state. Um, so, I mean, it, I hate to harp on it over and over again, but I mean that, that absolutely, when you complete 87 and a half percent of your passes, that absolutely killed Auburn last year. It gave them no chance to be able to get that offense um, off the field. So that, that, that has to be their biggest focus this week. Something that Sean Clifford did not have last year was a ground game that could provide explosive plays, a ground game that could provide consistent balance, and that was all season long. We got an early glimpse of that against Auburn, but it was the harbinger of things to come in a lot of ways that September. Now this September, we're learning a little bit different of a scenario because uh, Nick Singleton has arrived and in more ways than one. Last week against Beaver uh, in Beaver Stadium, three carries of 40-plus yards. Auburn's the first coaching staff to handle some film that involves number 10 flashing in a significant way and looking like a guy who can be a star for Penn State. What has the feedback been when his name has come up? Uh, because he is a new part of this equation. We've talked about some familiar faces in this matchup. To me, he could be that X factor. Yeah, I mean, he's a dude. I I can't say that his, his name necessarily has come up um, specifically from anybody but Brian Harson, who when he was running through the uh, – running through the players to watch definitely definitely mentioned him but like you said it gives this game a different element that it didn't have um last season and like you said it was a sign of things to come um because i know penn state really struggled you know bottom 10 bottom 15 um in the country 
running the football last season, excuse me. Um, yeah, so, so to bring in a five-star guy like him who who gives you that change of pace, I mean, when when we just spent that whole time talking about how much they need to affect Sean Clifford, um, they couldn't really do so last year, and they didn't have that change of pace guy. Um, so that if you're Penn State, I think you're hoping that makes life a little bit easier. Um, Auburn's run defense has been pretty stout these first couple games. And if, if I had to imagine, it will be pretty good against Penn State. Um, some of their interior guys, I think Colby Wooden, the defensive tackle, he's probably the best player on the entire team. Um, you get Owen Papo back from injury. He's a great tackler there at linebacker. They actually have a guy, Cam Riley, um, who's got almost 20 tackles through through two games, and it's his first time starting in his career. Um, Auburn's always known to have sure tacklers at defensive back. It's been that way past three or four seasons. Um, evident last year, I don't think they had a ton of explosive plays after they caught the ball. I mean, Clifford can complete it, but they were actually able to bring him down pretty well. And so all that leads me to believe that Auburn will have a pretty good game plan for for Singleton and the rest of this rushing attack for Penn State. And so I think I think it goes back to what we talked about with TJ Finley. I mean, you you have to look at who's going to be able to make the plays with their arm in this game. I think you know the better quarterback is, is going to win this game. Um, and again, another reason why that kind of leans Penn State here, because you've got a guy like Clifford with everything that he's gone through in his career and all the ups and downs. He's still done it in these kinds of spots way more than a guy like TJ Finley has, where really the only time he's done something like this was, was when he beat Georgia State um, last season when he came in for, for Bo Nix after he got benched. And so, I mean, I would expect overall, maybe if you're if you're comparing the two sides, Auburn to have a little bit better of a day on the ground um, than Penn State, although Singleton is, is fantastic. Um, you could absolutely see him pop in this game, but they want they know everything about Sean Clifford that we've been talking about. They want to make sure that they can uh, they can make him beat them and not have a you know not have a one two punch a ground game set up into play action. They don't they don't want that going for them. Um, they feel confident in their ability to to play well against Clifford, and obviously they're upset with what happened last year and they want to have a, a bounce back performance in that regard. And so you know, I think they're a pretty stout run defense, but again, it's it goes back to what we talked about over and over again. Um, this is a litmus test. We'll see that they, they should be a good run defense. They haven't played anybody yet, and you're only going off of what you saw um, last season. So. Let's finish off with two topics here. The first of which is special teams play. I know the place kicker's back. He's hit some 40-plus yard field goals. Had a couple against Penn State, did Carlson last year. Tell us about the scope of special teams. And then if you can finish this off, it's Wednesday afternoon. We're midway through this game week. You don't have to give us a score prediction if you're not ready, and you got to give that to your own site. But can you tell us kind of where you're at on this matchup three days out? Yeah, special teams has been pretty nice for Auburn um, here in the early season. It was certainly not a down spot for them um, during that losing record. Last year, it starts with a guy named Oscar Chapman, um, who was second team All-SEC in the preseason at punter. Um, he was the fifth highest graded punter, according to PFF, in all of college football. Um, last season, you look at some of his efficiency metrics, especially when they cross midfield. You know, Some, some teams kind of get into no man's land when you're between that, you know, 45 to 35 yard line and even if it's a difficult fourth down you're saying i mean we're just going to punt it right into the end zone so why not um oscar chapman's kind of nice he, he gives you that ability to punt the ball i mean i think they punted it from san jose state's 44 yard line and it was down to the two so i mean he, he does stuff like that pretty consistently um and heck we've seen that be a factor in big games across the country over the years um for certain and so um i think he's probably your biggest x factor there, he's absolutely a guy that you look throughout the season for Auburn in these kinds of big games and they get into SEC play. Um, he's a guy you could pencil in as an X factor every single game because, I mean, the biggest one was the Iron Bowl last season when obviously they had a, a defensive masterclass against Alabama until 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 Bryce Young does what he does and like he pretty much was the same as the Texas game. Um, but, I mean, I think he had three punts inside the 10 that game and five inside the 20. Um, so he absolutely gives you a chance to, to set your defense up. For some success, yeah, Anders Carlson is back from that uh, that knee procedure. He tore his ACL in week 11 last year, and now he's back. So that was a pretty swift recovery um, for him. He's kind of middle of the pack in terms of SEC kicking. Um, he carries a lot of weight because of his because uh, of his because of his last name. Obviously, his older brother is the SEC's all time leading scorer. Um, but he he didn't have too great of a of a, of a year last year, and so um, you know you trust him if you want him to kick the ball in a in a clutch situation because he is so experienced. Um, so we'll see how that goes. We'll see if that knee affects him at all. And then a guy named Keontae Scott is their new punt returner. Um, I mentioned Javarius Johnson earlier. I think Scott probably has him overtaken for the most part. He's a, he's a Juco addition at defensive back. Um, good looking player. He's had a couple nice ones. Um, he's one of those punt returners who really just kind of goes for it. I mean, there'll be guys right in his face and he'll attack the ball. Um, 
try to make one move and get 10 yards upfield. And again, it's been Mercer and San Jose State, but he said he said pretty decent success doing that. So um, special teams is an area where maybe Auburn can try to get some extra yardage um, in this game because in, in all three phases of it, I think they are kick returns as well. Jarquez Hunter and Nehemiah Pritchett are pretty good returners. So um, I think maybe they can try to get some advantages in that regard. Yeah, and then in terms of the game, I mean, uh, if you couldn't already tell over the course of the podcast, I mean, I, I, I definitely think there are more advantages for Penn State in this game. Um, you like Auburn being at home, certainly. And Jordan-Hare is a place where you know Penn State fans, I'm sure, have watched it over the years in SEC play. Um, but it's just cursed for other teams. Um, sometimes, I mean, obviously sometimes, you know, somebody will come in and just dome you, of course, if you're, if you're a bad team and, and, and Mississippi state came back from four touchdowns down in the second half in Jordan hair last year. So it's, you know, it's not always this way, but, um, if things get tight in the fourth quarter, which I would, I would imagine, and I would hope because I hope it's a great game. Um, I would, I would think they will in this game. I don't really see it being a blowout any way or another. Sometimes that crowd and sometimes that stadium has a chance, has, as a way of just kind of willing Auburn to victory. Um, all of that said, I haven't landed on a score prediction. I think I'm still going Penn State. I think I picked pick Penn State in this game um, last season. It would not surprise me at all if Auburn won this game. I'm, I'm sure y'all are kind of in the same spot um, where it's, you know, Auburn has had some issues here in the early season, but get a couple turnovers off of a guy like Clifford, get some momentum, get a couple first half touchdowns in front of that home crowd and not wouldn't be surprising at all for them to win this game. Um, but I see Penn State right now is not only being the more complete team on both sides of the ball, but I, I trust James Frank a little bit more in this game than I do uh, than I do Brian Harson. Um, and it all goes back to the quarterback play. I definitely trust Sean Clifford. I know he's, you know, again a polarizing uh, figure there for Penn State football, but um, I definitely trust him more than than a guy like T.J. Finley in this game. And so on the flip side, if Finley wins it, if Finley's good with his arm, um, you know, completes a decent percentage, doesn't have turnovers. Heck, that makes you very confident moving into SEC play. But um, you know, at this current juncture, I'm not sure if I'll, I'm not sure if I'll change it over the course of the week. And again, haven't necessarily landed on a on a score prediction. But um, I would probably think Penn State is able to is able to come in here and get the win. Yeah, an important tune up for both both sides as they get ready for conference play approaching. And we appreciate your perspective, uh, like we ha- got it last September. Really good stuff, Nathan. From you, hope you get Daniel's perspective on your podcast, and you enjoy, and your listeners enjoy that. Thanks a lot. Well, we'll find out Saturday how it all shakes out, and we'll look for your coverage. For sure. Do the same with y'all. Appreciate y'all. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. A whole lot on Auburn there from Nathan. Thanks again to him. Let's shift and get back to Penn State now. We've got a lot to discuss with the Nittany Lions for the remainder of the show leading up to our final picks for the game. Let's do that with Mark Brennan, Daniel Gallen, my colleagues at Lions247.com. Great coverage throughout the week, fellas. Let's get into it on our Thursday episode once more. And... Before we talk about this game, uh, there was a roster update this week, and I just wanted to kind of go through that briefly because um, we get these roster updates. We don't know when they're going to pop up, and all of a sudden you'll see some adjustments uh, in terms of weight, in terms of, uh, of where guys are in their physical development. So we were able to glean a little bit from that uh, through checking things out. Um, guys, you saw the list I put together. Uh, you've got Katron Allen down 24 pounds. You've got uh, Drew Aller up 13 pounds. You've got Malik McNeil at six foot seven down about 20 pounds. Drew Shelton on the other side of that, an offensive tackle, he's up close to 20 pounds. I'm curious what stood up to you. We've got the full list over at lines247.com, but it was one of our uh, you know rare kind of examinations of, of how freshmen are developing with a little bit of info from Penn State. Yeah, I thought the Drew Shelton information was pretty interesting. I mean, there's a guy we've heard nothing but good things about. Looks like he's repping with the second team. And when you look at some of the issues that they're having at right tackle. Um, now, obviously, he's repping at left tackle now, but you just wonder if he's maybe more equipped to play sooner than than maybe we had anticipated. He was down, I think, in the 260s for his high school basketball season, if not even a little less than that. So for him to come in and, and put on that weight, and he wasn't a guy who was an early enrollee. He came in the summer. So uh, you know, ideally, you don't want to have to rely on a true freshman at tackle. Uh, but given some of the issues they've had at that position, it's good to know that physically he looks like where he's close to where he needs to be. And all the intel that we're getting is that he's just really, really advanced when it comes to the technical aspects of playing. So I think that was a really good thing for Penn State. I'd go with Katron Allen. Uh, obviously, when he came in with Nick Singleton, it was kind of billed at a little bit like thunder and lightning with 
Nick Singleton as the Lightning, Katron Allen, aka Fat Man, as the as the Thunder out of IMG Academy. Um, I think through two games, Nick Singleton has shown that he can be both Thunder and Lightning himself, uh, just based on how he plays. But I think that when you saw them on the field together um, during preseason camp, it was like you could tell that Nick Singleton was bigger than Katron Allen. You could tell that Katron Allen was a little bit smaller than we thought he was, and. I think that the 201 kind of reflects how he's looked on the field uh, through these first two games with kind of how smooth he is. I've been really impressed with how he seems patient and kind of glides almost uh, when he's looking to to find the hole to hit. So I think that's the one that stood out to me, mostly based on kind of expectations versus the reality, how this was kind of presented, how the, the scouting was, how we thought this was going to be versus how it is now. And I should have clarified this, clarified this at the top. Those weight differentials I'm talking about were the announced weights that Penn State put out there publicly on signing day when these guys put pen to paper versus where they are at this current roster update. So 24 pounds from last December for Catron Allen. We don't necessarily know when that weight loss kind of started, but that's notable. Nick Singleton now 18 pounds heavier than Catron Allen, according to Penn State's roster. And you talk about the speed that Catron Allen brings at almost 220 pounds. Uh, by the way, uh, Drew Aller, no longer 240 plus 238, but he was 225 on signing day. And, and there's no other quarterback on this roster that I believe reaches 220 pounds. So he stands out. And then three wide receivers, Anthony Ivey, Tyler Johnson, uh, and Omari Evans, all 10-plus pound gains uh, since they were announced on signing day. Uh, one other note here, non-freshman, but Tyrese Mills, who, who came to campus this summer out of Lackawanna College. He played safety at Lackawanna. He's transitioned to linebacker. I think you like to see this. Was 195 when they announced him. Now at 205 as he, as he gets into a new position there. And, and, fellas, let's jump into it a little bit now as we get ready for the Auburn game. We got some of those freshman notes out of the way. Coming off the practice field, Daniel, we got some clarity on, on, on certain guys, but more of the same, I feel like, with Theo Johnson. That word hopeful was applied to his status last week leading up to the matchup against Ohio. He was not in uniform. He did travel to Purdue. I'd expect he'll travel this weekend. Whether or not we see him come out of the tunnel in full uniform a half hour before this game remains to be seen. It's the second straight week that James Franklin said that he's hopeful that, that Theo Johnson will be able to come back. Um, obviously the fact that he traveled to Purdue um, make, made it seem like he was, you know, I guess close to playing. Um, but the big difference between last week and this week, even though James Franklin said pretty much the same thing is that Theo Johnson was on the practice field uh, this week. He was you know, going through drills um, during, during the portion that we were able to, to be there for. So we got eyes on him. Can't really miss him at six foot six, 260 pounds. Um, but that's big for the tight end room. Um, given how, you know, I mean, Brenton Strange, Tyler Warren, uh, Cleo Dinkins didn't play uh, on offense, I don't think, in that Purdue game. Um, so if they want to do the things that they want to do with that 13 personnel with three tight ends, uh, they need Theo Johnson back. And I think that if he's available, it just adds something different uh, to the offense right now. There was an absence at practice that, that stood out to a lot of people. Katron Allen, who we just discussed, was not seen with the running back unit. James Franklin was asked directly during his post-practice media session about that. Confirmed Katron Allen was not on the field for practice, but also said he will be available against Auburn. So an important clarifying aspect of Katron Allen's uh, absence before we got off the field, which was highly appreciated from James Franklin. More of the same, though, when it comes to a couple of defensive linemen, uh, Smith Vilbert, who had those three sacks, all of his career sacks uh, in, in the Outback Bowl back in, on New Year's Day, um, still wearing a scout team uniform. And then Keziah Holmes, uh, who was the starter at defensive tackle for Penn State for the second half of last season, also in a scout team uniform. I'm sorry, Keziah Izzard. I was wondering why Danny was laughing. One Keziah on the team left. I, I did yeah, it earlier. Izzard. I did it in an earlier <laughs> podcast. We're all going to get it sooner or later. Yeah, I'm up next. Yes. So I, I, this is a matchup. We've talked about it. And, and Daniel, we'll, we'll discuss this a bit with you later on because Penn State's defenders have been saying they're ready to take some punches and dish some back in this matchup. It's a different kind of offense they're going to encounter. Physical up front. They're going to want to run the ball right down the middle at you. And they're want to, going to want to do that repeatedly. So, of course, the the lack of bodies is a concern. And a guy like Isaiah Izzard and, and, and then Smith Filbert, who have Big Ten experience and have experience against Power 5 opponents, but let's face it, so far, as far as we understand, it's a pretty healthy unit. We've got some roster risers in the mix. And, and I said it last week, every game these guys miss, and, and for whatever reason they're missing in it, I, I don't want to speculate it, but they're putting themselves in a bit of peril for whenever they do get back because other guys are, are showing what they can accomplish on the field. 
Well, we're going to see this this week. I mean, this is going to be more of a power rushing team than Penn State's seen. So Izzard's a guy who I thought played okay for them against Arkansas, which which was not afraid to run the ball, obviously. So uh, let's see how, how they're able to do. Now, I, I, we don't know if he's going or if he's not going, but the fact that he was on the scout team kind of leads you to believe that maybe he's not quite in the mix. The, the other guy that we didn't mention, and, and I was remiss in not doing that from the freshman weights, though, was Zane Durant. Uh, he was up there, what, 276, was it, Tyler? Or two, yeah. Two, yeah. I mean, that's uh, – I think he was announced he, at, at about 260. On, yeah, 260 was the signing day weight. He's now at 276. And he – I, I got to tell you, when you see him, he does not look 276. That has to be just like thick, you know, muscle. I don't know what he's made of, but it's, you know, he's, an, he's a guy who I think is going to have an opportunity to help them. He's not like a one-technique tackle. No, he's not a big 300-plus pounder. But for his size, he's really tough and able to do some things with his quickness and just his strength. So maybe that helps offset not having a guy uh, like Izzard. Fortunately for Penn State at this point, it's not a long injury report to go through, at least of what we're aware of, and guys exiting games and guys being questionable for the next one. Uh, that will change. But right now in week three, they're in a pretty good spot health-wise heading down to SEC territory. And we'll talk first about what we project as the strengths for Penn State in this matchup. They are a three-point favorite. This is the second consecutive year Penn State will face Auburn. These are the only two regular season matchups in the series history between these two squads. They played and split in a couple bowls in the past. Mark, you were at both of those. Um, this time around, though, uh, what do you think? As you kind of measure up Penn State against an SEC opponent, this doesn't happen often, Mark. You were on the road trip in 2010 last time they did this against Alabama. How do you feel about the Nittany Lions' opportunity and what maybe they could accomplish from a national perception standpoint, aside from the win-loss equation here. Yeah, well, in a lot of these matchups over the years with with uh, Penn State versus SEC teams, it's you've always kind of looked at it like you know Penn State was usually more of the uh, the, the the grinded out team, and the opponent was usually more you you looked at as a more athletic overall type team. And I think that's kind of been flipped on its head. For, from my perspective, Penn State's strength going to this one defensively is obviously it's secondary. Uh, now, how is that going to work against a power rushing team? That's going to be real interesting to see because you're looking at uh, uh, a, an Auburn team that completes, what, 50% of its passes, something like that overall, one touchdown pass, I think four interceptions, and they're going to have to be able to run the ball, but can you be one-dimensional against this Penn State defense? So I think that's going to be – you know, the athleticism of the Penn State defense, I think, is going to give Auburn trouble. But conversely, I think Auburn, it's going to have to rely on its power running game and, 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 and blow Penn State out of there. And I just don't know that that's going to be able to happen. So I think overall, defensively, the athleticism is really the key. And I think on the other side of the ball, just the number of skill players that Penn State is going to be able to throw at Auburn. You know, the, the the first two games that Auburn played, they did not see any athletes of this caliber that they're going to see from the key positions. But what is the question mark for Penn State in every single game? The offensive line. So how's that unit going to do against a stout defensive line? Daniel, I'll pose the same question to you, and then I'm going to bring in something that Nathan said here. The benefit of the doubt is not there in place uh, for Auburn's quarterbacks right now. Uh, as much as some Penn State fans don't feel it is, there's certainly more benefit of the doubt for Sean Clifford. How do you think uh, those guys going against their opposing defenses, who do you think has the edge there? Yeah, that, that tees it up perfectly for me. I think that Penn State's uh, strength in this game is a combination, you know, involves the quarterback position, like Mark said. I think that secondary matches up really, really well uh, with Auburn's wide receivers. Auburn doesn't really have a a real game breaker, a real kind of, you know, number one, I don't think on their roster. Um, and I think that when you look at the matchup for the quarterbacks, I mean, as much as Penn State fans don't necessarily feel comfortable trusting Sean Clifford, I think you have to trust Sean Clifford more than TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford uh, in this game. I think that if you were to go position by position uh, and, and break down who is the edge, Penn State definitely has the edge at quarterback. Um even though Sean Clifford has been a little up and down, had the interception against Purdue. Um, so I think that that's a strength for Penn State that might be a little bit more under the radar. Um, you know, it feels kind of weird to say that Sean Clifford can do, can be under the radar in any way. But I think that you kind of, you know, you know what he is at this point um, and you know kind of what the lows are. But 
that baseline I think is can can win you a game in SEC country, especially when the quarterbacks on the other side, like if if Penn State can take away the run and force TJ Finley to try to beat them with his arm, I think Penn State's in great shape. I think they could absolutely feast on this passing game of Auburn's if they have to go that direction, do the Tigers. And and that brings you out to, can you get off to that hot start offensively and play that complimentary football? Because I think there is a real case to be made where if Penn State can get some kind of uh, two-score advantage early in this game, put some pressure on Auburn and, and show that they can, they can stop or at least effectively corral the Tigers' rushing attack, that's going to put Auburn in a really precarious situation that I don't think they're comfortable with, uh, you know, much less against one of the secondaries that is being lauded across college football for its potential and for its performances so far. Looking at Sean Clifford, guys, let's not forget, he's made a couple starts on the road at Ohio State. Uh, you know, He started in pretty much every Big Ten environment you can imagine. He's played in some big-time bowl matchups, and this will be his first taste on the road at SEC, but I talked about this earlier in the week. I know there's a lot of fervor for the freshman quarterback right now, but this is just such an advantageous situation to have this quarterback with 35 career starts. And I think to this point, because of the flashes that Aller has shown this year and because people kind of feel like they have Sean Clifford figured out, they may be overlooking some facts. And those are he has seven touchdowns and one turnover through essentially six quarters of play thus far. And he's led three touchdown drives, including a game one. Uh, the final, or I should say four touchdown drives, including a game winner and two minute situations at the end of halves. So to me, Sean Clifford, I have a lot of confidence in him going this game. I know at the national conversation, people are kind of wondering if, if both quarterback situation, who's going to kind of be teetering on the brink of, of crapping the bed in this situation. I have a hard time seeing that happen to Sean Clifford. He may make some mistakes, but I don't see him being out of his element, regardless of what Jordan Hare Stadium throws his way. And I think that's very important in this matchup because I think Auburn's quarterbacks playing at home even – this moment just might be too big for any of them, whoever they throw out there. Well, that's why I thought it was important last week. Remember when we were talking going into the Ohio game, a lot of people were like, Penn State should just do whatever it can do to establish the rushing game. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think they have to show balance. And they came out and they did that. They did a really good job. They put a lot of things on tape that Auburn's going to have to worry about. And it, it's going to be sort of a pick-your-poison proposition. But, guys, I mean, to me – it comes back. We keep saying it over and over and over, but it's true. It's the skill position players are fine. Sean Clifford's fine. But if he doesn't have time to throw the ball, there, there, there's going to be an issue. So this is a really important game for that offensive line to step up. Look, it, it was up and down against Purdue. The right side really struggled. Uh, it was up and down against Ohio, giving up five sacks. I know that wasn't all on the first team, but you know that that really shouldn't be happening against that level of competition. So it, as I look at this, I forget about the, the the quarterback. I forget about the skill players. They're all going to be just fine. I think it's going to come down to what that offensive line is able to do against a good defensive front for Auburn. We did hear from James Franklin after practice Wednesday. Expect to see plenty of Hunter Norzad involved again uh, at both guard positions, potentially at center, potentially. Uh, he was at all three of those spots last week. Uh, you may, may not see him in the starting lineup, but he's going to be a factor. Same goes for Bryce Eppner, who is splitting time on the right side at tackle with Caden Wallace. They're going to factor into this offensive line plan. Um, and, and guys, you're, the skill positions, there's so many emerging names, whether it's, you know, Mari Evans, the uh, new guy, and, and Mitchell Tinsley that everyone's starting to really feel comfortable with as, as a top target for this team. But to me, Nick Singleton changes everything. What he did and what he put on film, I don't care who they played last week. Look, Auburn played San Jose State, and they looked like crap for the most part. Nick Singleton played Ohio, and and, and he looked like a five-star getting his feet wet in, the, in, in college football. And so, to me, the ability to go long distance, we've heard it from players and coaches over the course of this week. you got to imagine being able to do that for the first time since the Cotton Bowl in 2019 – it just changes the way a team's going to be able to approach you. And in my opinion, it's going to give Mike Yurcich an opportunity to scheme things differently than he's ever been able to thus far in his Penn State career. Because as much as they maybe try to establish the run in certain situations, it was unsuccessful. And ultimately, it felt like they had to break free from what they wanted to do from a game plan perspective repeatedly over the course of last year because they could not establish things on the ground. We got to see it from Nick again. But just the fact that they go into this game and that's kind of a feather in their cap something they can throw your way. I think that's a big, big adjustment. It definitely makes me feel better <laughs> about this uh, offense going in. 
uh, you know, to Auburn. Uh, I think that we've kind of established that Nick Singleton is the type of running back who can make up for some deficiencies. Uh, I don't know if he'll be able to make it to the edge as easily against Derek Hall or Colby Wooden um, as he did against Ohio. But I think that the fact that that's a threat, um, I think that that helps uh, Sean Clifford out. Um, you know, I think that some of the defensive guys talked about it, that it's just kind of a boost to them to know that on the offensive side of the ball, that there's a running back that can score, you know, pretty much at will from any part of the field if things break right. So I think that you do have to be concerned about the offensive line. I had that written down under my concerns. You know, how are those tackles going to hold up um, against those edge rushers? Um, I think that this could be a big show- showcase game for Olu Fashionu. Um, who we talked to earlier this week. Um, But, you know, I want to see what they can do for Nick Singleton. How can they make it easier for Nick Singleton? What can they do to open things up for him um, so that we don't end up in a situation like we saw last year where the running backs would try to have to do everything themselves. And, you know, Nick Singleton can do that sometimes, but I don't necessarily think that's a recipe uh, for, for leaving Auburn with a win Saturday. And, and acknowledging the fact that it was Ohio, some of those runs, some of the, the highlights from from Saturday, maybe they're ten yard gains. But I don't think Nick Singleton is out racing the Auburn defense. Owen Papo's out there, really rangy linebacker. You mentioned it though, the, the, the defensive front. They've got some big fellows in the middle, but on the perimeter, uh, Derek Hall, nine sacks last year. He's got three quarterback hurries for the first stages of the season. He's kind of that name you circle. Uh, Smith Vilbert was wearing his jersey. So they've, they've got a pretty solid athlete playing the role of Derek Hall, but there's only so much you can do to account for him. I'm, I'm with you. Big moment for Olu Fashionu. He's developing a, a foundation uh, to be a really, really high-level tackle in the Big Ten Conference. And uh, if he can pass this test and look great doing it and stabilize the le- uh, the blind side for Clifford, people are going to be talking about him uh, when it comes to the draft, and, and they're going to be doing that more frequently. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Some other concerns, guys. Um, I got to get to the linebacker position because we've heard it. This is the game, finally, that's built for linebackers. It, that was not the case the first two weeks. So to me, this is the, the moment where Tyler Elston, Kobe King step up into the spotlight. Probably Abdul Carter going to get some run there. But Curtis Jacobs, a big moment for him. And then Jair Brown, who we've talked about in the past. This has been his new role, especially on third downs, getting up to the second level, filling that Mike linebacker role that, that could ultimately take an Elston or a King off the field. But this is the moment for Manny Diaz and this linebackers. This feels like their their big debut in a game where they're going to be counted on. And if they can't get it done, if they are exploited, that very well may be the topic of conversation coming out of the matchup. Yeah, I think one of the good things for the linebacking crew is that they saw some really good athletes against Purdue. Uh, you know, not you didn't see the kind of power running game, obviously, because Purdue is more of a uh, – you know, more of a, a, a pass-oriented team. But seeing Elsden and King running around out there trying to track down some of those speedy receivers and tight ends, uh, you know, that I think that was kind of a good test. But this is obviously the, the best test. And I think this game comes at a great time for them uh, in terms of let's see where you are as the, as the, the heart of the Big Ten or the meat of the Big Ten schedule starts to get kind of creep closer. But to me... You know, that's a big concern. Obviously, I mentioned I'm, I'm beating the offensive line to death here. I'm sorry, but I want to we got we got to see to believe it. But place kicker, you know, I, I thought oh, an great. alarm went off with Jake Pinnegar in that game. And maybe I'm making too much of it. But I think if you look at his body of work going back to the late 1970s or whenever he started, he's I think the number is 11 of 19 on field goals between 40 and 49 yards for his career. Mark, and, Mark, it's it's 10 of 20 from beyond okay. 40. From 40 right. and beyond, it's 10 of 20. Right, but I think if if so, if you I go with the 40 to 49 only because we knew that he was never the 50-yard-plus type of kicker. They were often bringing Stout in. So even on those, which, I mean, 50% is not good enough. You can't, expl- you can't kind of explain that away. And then to miss an extra point as well, you know, I, I actually like what James Franklin did and said, Listen, I've had some issues with the line, letting guys through and whatnot. Maybe that's – I think that's trying to get Jake's, Jake Pinnegar's head kind of where it needs to be. But you're, you're looking at a game last I checked that Penn State was a minus three favorite. You know, these are the kind of games where special teams could come in really, really, really big, and they need a veteran kicker to step up. Again, I, I will say this. It's a non-conference game, so it's – I'm 
if you're a Penn State fan, you want to hope that he gets an opportunity to hit a key kick or two because you want to know where you stand at that position heading into Big Ten because you know for darn well sure when you get into the Big Ten, sooner or later, you are going to need somebody to make big kicks. Whether it's overtime, whether it's the end of the game, whatever it may be, you're going to need people to make big kicks, and you got to know if you can could depend on him. And I don't know that now that you can say that you can. And you mentioned Pinnaker not being the 50-plus yard guy. According to James Franklin, he now is at least 50, 51, and 52. And then beyond that, it's Sanders Sahadak. And we'll see if they trot that out at some point. I think it'd probably have to be the end of a half, maybe the end of a game where we'd see that happen and, and basically a Hail Mary version of a kick from Sanders Sahadak maybe. But with Pinnaker, last time we saw him try it from 50 uh, was against an SEC team, actually. It was uh, down in Tampa at the Outback Bowl, and I think he missed about 15, 20 yards right. It was really, really bad kick. Um, yeah, you're right. This is it, it's not going to be 46 to 10 and it's not going to be 46 to 10 moving forward in Big Ten play. So you're going to need to really be able to, to handle those margins of error. And if your kicker can't get that done, major concern. Mark, thanks for bringing that up, because if we didn't, people would have probably been on our case. Uh, Daniel, Mark, it's time to do your players to watch and then we'll get into predictions. Daniel, you can lead us off. Who's your player on Penn State that, that you have in the spotlight here? Well, it was going to be Jake Finnegar, um, so I'm oh, glad we got sorry. that out of the way. Um, but uh, I think P.J. Mustafer, um, you talk about this uh, Auburn rushing attack. You expect Tank Bigsby to really bang it inside. Um, you know, Penn State hasn't really played a team like this with it, its full complement. Um, you know, if you kind of discount the bowl game with, with what they're missing there, uh, it's been a while. So you want to see how they hold up, how they respond. After Mustafer went out last year, there were a couple games where that run defense really had some issues. Um, so you want to see if, you know, if they can hold up and just how, how PJ can hold up. Um, this is his third game back from the knee in, or from the injury. Um, you know, we'll see uh, how he can, how they rotate guys. If they, you know, given the weather, if they rotate more guys, if they keep him out there, um, we'll kind of wait and see um, how he comes out of it. But I'd go with PJ uh, just because I think that's the, the big matchup we're going to see with, with how Auburn runs the football. Mark? Yeah, I'll go with Curtis Jacobs, who I like to call the big dog, just because he he hustles. But listen, you're, you're looking at – we talked a lot about the linebacker core. He's the one guy who's played a lot of football. You have two quarterbacks who – you know, one more than the, than the other, but both of the Auburn quarterbacks are, are willing to run the ball. And I think having a guy uh, like Curtis who has played a lot of football and – can, can get in there in the box and, and keep an eye on those quarterbacks. I think he's a guy to really watch against that running game and maybe the rest of the linebacking core kind of takes its cue from him. And then when he's not in there, you know, who's been replacing him, Abdul Carter. So I think that spot, those two linebackers, I think really have to step up for Penn State in this game. I'll go offense, guys. And and if I told you before the season that through two games, Parker Washington would have six catches for 90 yards, you maybe would think there were some issues with the Penn State offense. Look, we've talked about the new guys that have emerged. Last week was essentially the vet treatment for Parker Washington. He got in, got some work done, returned some punts, four catches, 60 yards, and got to watch a lot of football, got to watch a lot of these younger receivers. In week one, it was more Mitchell Tinsley, two catches, 30 yards. Um, he's the guy that I I'm looking to see make some game-breaking plays. Uh, he was the best playmaker for Penn State in, in the Outback Bowl when they were pretty decimated across the field. He's the guy who rose to the occasion, uh, was able to give them some juice when they were lacking it. Um, I don't know if they're going to be lacking the juice this time around, but to me, he's a guy that that whether you get the ball to him in short space or, or you're going long distance, I want to see him get involved, and I think they will do that. Maybe even get the ball in his hands on a handoff. Um, because Auburn's going to have to account for a lot. We've talked about some of these new figures that weren't on the field in this matchup last year. Parker Washington was there, and he's still there, and I still think he's going to have a huge season. Uh, I just think that through eight quarters, he's gotten buried a little bit because of some of the other names that have popped up. I like his chances to remind everybody about how special he can be uh, come Saturday afternoon into Saturday evening down at Auburn. Guys, it's prediction time. And uh, this is one where, again, Penn State favored by three. And all of our predictions go pretty well beyond that. Mark, we'll start with you. And you're actually the, the, the narrowest gap, but we're all betting that Penn State covers the spread. What do you got for us? Yeah, I got a 24-20 Penn State. I, I look at an Auburn team that really struggled to score against San Jose State, and I just don't know that they're going to be able to put up enough points. Uh, the Penn State offense, again, 
what's my concern? I, I really want to see how that O-line plays. But I think regardless, even if it doesn't have a great game, the skill players are good enough that Penn State's going to put up at least 24. Win by four, barely cover, pick the under. Daniel? I went Penn State 26, Auburn 17. Uh, I think Penn State can get enough distance that it'll be a two-score game. Um, and if Auburn does move the ball, I don't think they'll be able to, to quick strike uh, as much. I think it'll be the longer, more sustained drives. And I think that that'll keep the, the point total down a little bit. But I think when you look at the quarterbacks, like I said earlier, you trust Sean Clifford more than you trust TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford. And I think that's the difference for me. Yeah, trusting Clifford more than those guys is a major uh, understatement in my book. I, I just really am not buying into that quarterback room at all. They've had, uh, you know, the, the transfer portal. They've been trying the different pieces. I don't like the weapons on the outside to, to, to really raise the, the, the play of that quarterback unit. And ultimately, I don't see them being able to unlock their running back room over the course of this matchup because of how their passing game is going to struggle against Penn State. So I went 31-17. Um, I was initially actually maybe thinking 31-14. I'll give them a field goal here. I just think Auburn's going to struggle to score points in this matchup. I think Penn State's defense, they've tried some things out here in the first uh, in the first couple of games. But I, what is more intriguing to me is what have they not tried out? What is not out there yet for Auburn to dissect when it comes to Manny Diaz and the way he wants to scheme things up? I think we're going to see some new things unleashed in this matchup on the defensive side of the football. And I think they're going to be pretty good at penetrating the quarterback pocket. Ultimately, I think that leads to some turnovers. They're going to win the turnover battle. Sean Clifford makes it two for two on playing sharp against this team. And we went long enough without talking about it. Drew Aller gets in the game some way, somehow, despite Sean Clifford's success. And we get a peek at him in action on the road in an SEC environment. Good opportunity for a young quarterback. And, uh, fellas, I'll, I'll just get to it. I think after this game, Saquon uh, Barkley is the name I just went to. Nick Singleton is a national name. And people are going to start bringing up Saquon Barkley because this is the kind of setting in Jordan-Hare Stadium. If he can go wild a little bit, a carrier two that go long distance, that yeah, could really set him up to very quickly be on that springboard toward national stardom. So 31-17, a 3-0 start, and then we're back in Beaver Stadium next Saturday. So, guys, appreciate it. Breaking it down every Thursday here, getting ready for the matchup. Safe travels down to Auburn. We have a bunch of coverage coming your way between now and kickoff. And, of course, during the game and after kickoff, we're back with a post-game podcast Saturday night. Uh, for now, though, get back to work. These guys got to get ready for their trip. I'm Tyler Donahue on behalf of Mark Brennan, Daniel Gowan, and our producer, Lance Glenn. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.